Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. We have an important episode for you this week. We are kicking off Pride Month with an interview with the Kentucky Teacher of the Year and LGBTQ advocate, Montgomery County's Willie Carver. Uh, we also have got a campaign corner check-in with gun violence survivor and Moms Demand Action member, uh, Deanna Mullins. We'll hear what moms are working on in the wake of Valde, how you can support their important work. And of course, we'll kick off with some news of the week uh, and we'll close our action and events calendar. But first, are you, help, are you ready to help con- uh, turn Kentucky purple? Uh, we are a poor state. We are uh, saddled with poor health outcomes, yet we elect a GOP supermajority to do everything possible to cut government services and tribute to lowering the tax burden on rich folks in our commonwealth. Instead of lowering the cost of insulin or supporting more social workers or raising our pathetically low minimum wage, we have got a gang in Frankfurt bound and determined to end access to abortion care, to end efforts to increase gun safety in Kentucky. And if you think this is completely backwards, we need your voice and your vote. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky. Just join us on social media, wherever you spend time. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure to like and share and comment on our content. Uh, Join our Facebook group uh, so we can talk strategy. If you like what you're hearing right now on Kernels of Truth, give us a thumbs up. Leave us a review if you're listening to the podcast because reviews are very helpful uh, to make sure more people uh, listen to what we have to say and get recommended uh, to us. Um, So that's what we're doing. Hope you can pitch in. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. So Let's go ahead and check in with our co-host. Got a great slate uh, to work with this evening. Tell us who you are, where you are, what does your protest sign say today? Uh, and you there watching on the internet, please go ahead and share your sign too. There's a lot to protest. What are you going to bring to the protest? Uh, mine says, uh, um, I'm Aaron, coming to you from Childsburg in, uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. I want to live in a nation that values children's lives more than assault weapons. That is mine. Uh, Kimberly, are you there? I am here, Aaron. Good evening, everyone. I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm coming to you live tonight from Jefferson County. Um, some of you all may know Jefferson County as Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. And my protest sign says today, Democrats, take your vitamins and let's get busy. Vitamins. This supplement advertisement brought to you by <laughs> um, what do you mean? No, this is this this is like these campaigns coming up, and I know we say it every time, but this is really important, like extra important for our state. So important, absolutely important. All right, uh, Nate. Coming in from out of the cold. You've been gone a while. How you been? We're so glad to see you again. What's your sign say? Oh, thanks, Aaron. Uh, This is Nate Orishan coming live and direct from Kitchen, my lovely home here in South Frankfort, Kentucky. Um, And uh, I'm I'm in good health and and, uh, just uh, delighted that Willie Carver is going to be able to join us tonight. I've become such a huge fan of his uh, over the past year. So, um, you know, I just... uh, just over the moon. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to say tonight is my sign says, hey, you, support LGBTQ kids and adults. 
That's a good one. It's pride. It's pride. You should do that. Why don't you do that? Everyone should do that. You there in Frankfurt. You, Republican. Uh, All right. So we're going to move into our news of the week. Um, Annabelle Nagel's sign says, Happy Pride. Karen Armstrong Cummings' sign is far too long. Uh, But we did put it up on the screen. Really good stuff uh, there that she's encouraging folks to do. Uh, Glad to see Karen and Annabelle in the chat. And look, it's Doug Price as well. What does his sign say? I'd be interested to tell you uh, once he throws it in there. But we're going to do news of the week, and we're going to start with uh, gun control. We're going to start with Mitch, because Mitch, of course, is, you know, all roads for gun control. Uh, unfortunately, seem to lead through Mitch McConnell to one degree or another. President Biden name-checked Mitch as a reasonable Republican who he could work with on some gun safety measures. Uh, if he, if by reasonable he means purely political, then we agree. But a deep dive into Mitch's background on guns shows he has used the issue to bolster his political fortunes, his campaign cash, and his party's electoral success, like few other issues. He has just worked the guns to build his power. Uh, there's an important Washington piece, uh, Washington Post piece uh, that details time and again how Mitch has lied to opponents uh, about opponents' gun control positions, how he's delayed action to uh, allow inaction, ultimately, and how he's willing to leave John Lewis in his Senate office conference room for hours instead of having an actual conversation with gun violence survivors and those who seek solutions. So it's a really important, uh, it's an important article. I encourage everyone to read it. Uh, But if you want me to just give you some highlights, we've got some highlights. Uh, If you're concerned about a paywall, uh, we have have a gift link that you can click on. Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, so even if you've already read your 10 episode or your 10 uh, articles, you can you should be able to read this one, too. So the article includes, uh, quote, Mitch McConnell was just finishing up his first term as the junior senator from Kentucky when a mass shooting rocked his hometown of Louisville. On September 14th, 1989, a disgruntled employee entered the standard gravure printing plant in downtown Louisville and armed with an AK-47 and other guns, killed eight and wounded 12 before taking his own life. This remains the deadliest mass shooting in the state's history. Uh, That shooting triggered, of course, a discussion about an assault weapons ban. uh, And uh, Mitch, of course, uh, when his opponent supported the ban, uh, he then lied about that ban, telling voters that the ban would mean the government would soon take your hunting rifles, your personal protection handguns. Ultimately, he beat Democrat Harvey Sloan, who was then the Jefferson County Judge Executive, former Louisville mayor, beat him by five points, uh, and he went on to vote against the Brady Bill and the assault weapons ban. So this is, you know, back in the day. uh, This is what, you know, really on on many uh, analyses, this would say this is the issue that got him over the finish line and, you know, uh, helped elect him to a second term, which, of course, became his, you know, lifelong appointment, apparently, to the Senate. He has refused to meet with Sandy Hook families, even worse, He led the opposition to the Manchin-Toomey bipartisan background checks bill that was negotiated after Sandy Hook. So folks remember, it just felt like there was, you know, there was a lot of bipartisan engagement and support uh, after Sandy Hook to get something done. Uh, And, you know, it feels a lot like right now, really. You know, despite the fact that Mitch has been called reasonable by Biden, he has allowed that he is uh, directed 
uh, Texas Senator John Cornyn to work with Kirsten Cinema and Chris Murphy. History tells us to be very skeptical about Mitch's ultimate goals. You know, likely he's working to delay any inaction until the pressure, any action until the pressure fades, the voting public outrage and media attention moves on to the next story of the day. We can absolutely overcome that, however. I firmly believe that now is a moment we can uh, maintain a sustained effort, sustained protests. Very big news. Very big news. This is huge news. Tomorrow in Mount Sterling, uh, if you can uh, make it to the Montgomery County Extension Office in Mount Sterling at 11 a.m., and I know it's a work day and in the work week, but a really amazing opportunity because it's rare that we hear where Mitch is going to be in the state. Uh, the Senate is on recess. He is going to be there for a you know Chamber of Commerce luncheon. Uh, so please, if you're at all uh, able to like shift your schedule and buy yourself some time in, you know, in the morning, uh, show up at 11 a.m. with your signs and peacefully demand a different outcome after Rivalde. Tell him we're on to his you know, post-Sandy Hook tricks. We want to get something done. There's eminently reasonable efforts. You know, background checks are supported by like 84 to 95 percent of the voting public and amazing support for background checks. We could do this. But please, uh, we need you to show up. Mitch needs to see that his constituents actually want action. So that's a big one. Uh, you know, he was actually he mentioned um, in the Evaldi shooting today. Uh, he was in Maysville. Uh, and was talking about how, you know, this is just shows that it's important we work on mental health and uh, school safety, right? So even though the, you know, the cops were there, they didn't do anything. Uh, and how in the heck were you going to like, what mental health check was going to catch this kid? I don't know. But it really absolutely seems like he's going to dodge uh, the issue of uh, gun safety rules, um, more, more background checks. You know, clearly an assault weapons ban is, you know, eminently reasonable. You don't need an assault weapon to go hunting. Uh, but our gun nuts society, you know, probably is not going to make that possible unless we demand it loudly and in a sustained fashion. So that's, a, that's a big story for me, at least. Um, I don't know, uh, what, you know, other folks think about it, what their kind of prospects are. If folks read that Washington post article, but who's got, uh, anyone got anything to say about, uh, Mitch and guns? No. Well, I'm deferring to Kimberly, but I can I can certainly speak. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, um, you said 1989, and uh, I definitely uh, remember that. Um, maybe given a little bit of my age away, uh, I was a mother and a wife of a uh, army sergeant at that time. And I remember the pandemonium that was happening in this city. Uh, I wasn't here per se, but enough phone calls, uh, national news, all those type of things. But let me just say this, bringing it up to date right now, we are not only in a fight for our lives to keep uh, as many seats as we already have, we can't afford to lose any, and we hope to pick up seats uh, in the general election. And one of the things that should be on the ballot for each candidate, uh, no matter what party they are, is what about gun 
you know, uh, reforming gun laws and uh, things like that. I mean, it, it, if we're really honest with one another, uh, if we can find Osama bin Laden, we can surely find where a lot of these guns are coming from as well. Uh, I've said it so many times on this show, uh, Nate and Aaron, uh, concerning right here in Jefferson County, we're trending worse than what we were last year or the year before, which keeps us in the top five cities in the country of uh, gun violence and death. Um, the guns are, all of the guns are not at the gun shop. All of the guns are not at the pawn shop. We also need to eradicate immediately these street guns. Uh, we don't talk enough about that. What are the penalties uh, for having illegal guns, guns with the serial numbers scraped off and these ghost guns? Something has to give. And yes, we need to have more checks and balances when it comes to guns. But how about these illegal guns that consistently get into our neighborhoods and murders are also consistently happening at a rapid rate? Um, I love Moms Demand Action. I've been involved with that myself. At the time, it was Sylvia Burns. Uh, and then she moved to North Carolina on us. And I know one thing that was always stated to me, they wanted to most definitely get into uh, several urban areas right here in Jefferson County, but uh, it never was exactly uh, successful. So we need to just start from the beginning again, because every day that we wait, every moment that we're just talking, we need to be not like Nike and just do it. Somebody, I'm going to read coming across my phone tonight that somebody got murdered in Louisville. Maybe two or three people got murdered in Louisville. And, and frankly, it's starting to affect everyone, including myself. Back to you, Aaron. Yeah, thanks, Kimberly. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I think our friend uh, Nate just threw a bunch of recommendations, phone call, uh, phone numbers into the chat. Um, Karen Armstrong is sharing in a couple of different events that are happening. Uh, Deborah Grainer is show, uh, sharing a couple of different events. We're going to hear more later uh, from, I think, uh, Deanna uh, Mullins to, uh, about what's going on You know, from moms, from her perspective. So it, it feels like there's a lot of momentum. It feels like there's a lot of outrage. But again, I think it's critically important you know, read that Washington Post article, you'll come away with, you know, insights into how Mitch operates. And that is truly he wants to delay until the pressure goes away. Uh, and he absolutely, we need to keep keep it up. We need to keep the pressure up. And if they fail us, that's why you need to, you know, change the politicians. If you don't like the political outcomes, you need to get different politicians. That is obviously uh, where we need to be right now in the Senate. You know, if we didn't, have Joe Manchin, we wouldn't have the Democrats in control of the Senate, right? Uh, so there's a lot of people like get rid of go rid of Manchin. He's a horrible Democrat, but you know he voted for Chuck Schumer for leader, so that was really important. Uh, but if we can add in a couple of more in November, that's where Joe Manchin becomes less powerful because we will have you know 
maybe Charles Booker, maybe, uh, you know, somebody in Wisconsin, somebody in Pennsylvania. There's some really important races that could change the calculus so that Joe Manchin is no longer the king of Washington, D.C. Uh, so uh, that, you know, really important stuff to consider how you're spending your time in the next, you know, six months or so, I guess, uh, or not even that long. But, you know, really important that uh, if you aren't paying attention to the elections, you need to pay attention. Uh, but between now and then, let's hold their feet to the fire on gun safety, because there's a lot of things they could do that are popular with, you know, the vast majority of the public, but does require, you know, that they ignore the NRA blood money that's in their campaign coffers right now. So, uh, Nate, I'm sorry, what do you got to say on this one? Oh, not much. I, I just reiterated that I'll just reiterate that, uh, you know, we all need to continue to call uh, the offices of our members of Congress and let them know that we demand that they enact and support uh, good firearms regulations now, you know, not not later. Um, and, uh, you know, and you, and you also have an intro with uh, at least Congressman Barr and Senator McConnell and that they both recently voted to support uh, additional appropriations for Ukraine. So you can sort of do a twofer. You, uh, Paul didn't because, you know, ugh. but um, you can you can call McConnell's office and, hey, thanks for that great vote for Ukraine appropriations. And also, by the way, boom, boom, boom. So a little, a little pat on the back, which, um, you know, we don't like doing, but sometimes it's nice to just, you know, acknowledge them when they're doing the decent thing. Of course, not yeah. Paul. You know, the other guy. <laughs> not Paul, no. Um, yeah, and I just shared, uh, you know, the link to our action alert. So, you know, I think my social media, I'm sure yours as well, has been just like loaded with people, you know, outraged, demanding something. You know, but if you're just posting on social media, you're basically screaming into the void, right? Uh, and so do something to get your voice to somebody who, you know, yeah, we get Mitch's, you know, MO. We need to just make sure he understands there's pressure that we're not going away and inundating his office with emails and phone calls. That stuff does matter. Showing up, you know, where he can see the signs, that stuff does matter. So I hope anyone who's at all available gets to Mount Sterling uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m. So we um, we need to kind of get moving uh, and uh, move on to the next story. Kimberly, do you have news under five today or should we go to... Uh, I have news under five and you can time me if you want to and I'm going to leave the best one for last. So news under five today. Uh, one of the things is, is really, really great for us is that um, did you know that Kentucky has been chosen by the National Governors Association for a skills-driven jobs project. Yes, Kentucky is one of the 11 states selected to participate in the first phase of the skills-driven state community of practice to develop learning and employment records projects to support the growing economy. Also, Kentucky is receiving millions. Yes, it's raining money in Kentucky for mental health and addiction services, including $3.4 million to help the tornado survivors. Also, I can just say this as well. It was in the uh, Courier Journal. Uh, once again, in Jefferson County, Metro government is in trouble 
again, and they're in trouble because our Metro Council uh, has not been as transparent as some think that they should have in turning over records. So uh, we've got a little bit of something going on with that as well. And then when you look at it, we have to elect this Democratic mayor, Craig Greenberg. But I don't know. Our last mayor was Democratic and the DOJ is still investigating the police department. They're investigating Metro government, which means from the mayor on down. And now the Department of Justice is investigating mental health. Have we as a state been giving the resources that we're supposed to for those that need it? But they also said the focus is on Jefferson County once again. But let me leave you with this. Uh, there is some controversy going on right now concerning Senate candidate, Democratic Senate candidate, uh, Charles Booker first African-American in history in the state of Kentucky to be a nominee for this particular uh, seat. And he did an ad that is very disturbing to some and to some of us, we're like, well, we already know. And he's doing an advertisement with a noose around his neck, getting attention to the fact that we still don't have the lynching laws that we should in this state and that it's been a 200 plus year uh, race, I guess you could say, um, and it needs to happen. But we must also say that Rand Paul and uh, Senator Warnock also uh, signed on to the Emmett Till bill. Back to you, Aaron. Yeah, that's a that is a heck of an ad. The um, you know Charles Booker definitely making a splash with that. You know, putting his head in um, uh, in a noose. So yeah, definitely getting some attention, getting some you know making a powerful statement. Uh, Rand Paul, of course, took to the Senate floor this week uh, in the wake of Buffalo uh, that racially clearly racially motivated shooting uh, in order to say that racism isn't really a problem anymore. So that's what uh, that's what Rand Paul said. Uh, so we shouldn't, you know, get a federal task force to look at, you know, white nationalism. We shouldn't look at that kind of white terrorism because, you know, it's not a problem anymore in Rand Paul's eyes. Uh, and us talking about it makes it a problem in Rand Paul's eyes. So, uh, you know, I think there's plenty for, you know, uh, Charles Brooker to dig in there. Rand Paul is, you know, clearly uh, not necessarily in touch Um all right, so we are now going to move on to our campaign corner. Really excited, um, you know, to be joined by um, uh, somebody with Kentucky Moms Demand Action, uh, Deanna Mullins, uh, who is a gun violence survivor herself, uh, who is somebody who is, you know, passionately concerned and committed to the efforts uh, to advance gun safety in the state of Kentucky. And is joining us uh, just to let us know what's going on with Moms Demand Action right now and tell us a little bit about about her story. Uh, Deanna, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, you know, if you if you don't mind terribly, tell us what brought you to this cause and to the these issues. Okay, so uh, my name is Dina Mullins. I am a survivor. My son Sean Howard was shot August fifth. 2017 
he was um, shot by a 17-year-old with a stolen gun. The gun was left in a backpack unattended while the gentleman played uh, basketball. And the kids in the park could have got a hold of this gun, but it ended up getting into the wrong hands. And the 17-year-old used it to kill my son. Um, The gun was later recovered in a domestic violence dispute where the gun was used also. My big stance is on locking our guns up in storage, safe storage for our kids. We have over 300,000 guns that are stolen a year. And 60% of those guns are used in violent crimes. So the fact that we're not locking our guns is a big problem. I volunteered for Moms Demand Action and became a survivor lead for the Lexington. I am also the survivor fellow for the state of Kentucky. My son was 19 years old. He was about to start college. He loved adventure, his motorcycle. I think we're just, I think we're having some connectivity issues. I'm sorry to say the, um, you know, the tragedy that Ms. Mullins, you know, discusses of these kind of unsecured guns and, you know, the, the fact that we have got, and it looks like we've just lost her for a minute. Um, so many guns stored so thoughtlessly. They're just, you know, our society is absolutely awash in them. You know, I think if folks looked at the the Herald Leader this weekend, there was an important story talking about how, you know, right now Kentucky is, you know, one of the leading sources of guns into places like, you know, Chicago and Illinois and other places near, you know, these kind of like straw purchasers because, you know, Kentucky is so lax and so easy to get a gun. Also a lot of stolen guns. You know, people just go through the suburbs and try handles of vehicles. And if they get lucky, they check the, the glove box, they check under the seats and get lucky again and find a gun, which they can either use or sell. But it is, you know, I don't know if folks have the scenario and next, I've seen this in next door, right? You know, where, you know, folks, hey, we just, you know, we just want to let everyone know that, you know, I forgot to lock my car and somebody stole my gun. You know, it's like, what is wrong with people? Like, you know, this is a, you know, clearly a lethal weapon that is just being handled very cavalierly. Uh, and I don't know what, you know, insurance issues or how exactly we can make people kind of, you know, mind this. But, you know, I do know that, you know, people had to take the steps to insure themselves like they do to own and operate a, a car, to own and operate a, a, a gun. Uh, there'd be a lot more, you know, kind of hoops to jump through. Can we just uh, say, um, Really quick breaking news. Uh, I see where Annabelle and Doug Price has put it up in the comments. Uh, I'm seeing right now, four minutes ago, uh, four people are dead right now after an active shooter situation at St. Francis Medical Building in Tulsa, 
Oklahoma uh, just happened a few, just a little bit ago. They still have all the police. Everyone is still out there. Um, it was a hospital. Uh, I want to say it probably was like the annex of a hospital where you could come to the different clinics. So, you know, this is just a, a something has to be done and we need more than thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Ms. Mullins, I see you're back with us. Can, can you, uh, can we hear you now? Is your audio okay? It does show that you're muted. So I don't know if there's something you can do to unmute yourself. I'm sorry, we are having some technical difficulties, it's, which is really just unfortunate. So we would love to hear the kind of rest of your thoughts uh, on kind of what we need to do as a society and what we need to do politically in Kentucky to take some steps forward. But it seems like we're just having some, uh, you know, inability to hear you. So uh disappointing so i did want to just you know point out and i think we've shared it in the chat there's a really good op-ed that moms demand action a couple of their lead uh moms uh have shared uh you know steps we need to take just pointing out again that it's you know if we don't like the politics we need to change the politicians uh and really important steps that can be taken uh all right uh i think we need to move on uh to our uh to our pride guest uh, uh, of the night. So back on kernels of truth, uh, for the, I believe third time, third visit, we are so fortunate to have, uh, Kentucky's, uh, 2022 teacher of the year, uh, uh, Willie Carver jr. Coming to us, uh, not from, uh, Mount Sterling. You will not be at the protest tomorrow morning, uh, for Mitch, uh, but in fact, coming to us intercontinentally, uh, because he's, uh, you know, you're, you're a French teacher. So I think you are obligated to go to France <laughs> occasionally just to kind of, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you're up to snuff, right? Absolutely. Uh, and Kimberly, Aaron, Nate, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I heard McConnell was coming. So I said, why not leave the continent? <laughs> um, <laughs> not just the County. The <laughs> continent. <laughs> I need an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Annabelle. Uh, yes, everyone loves the glasses. Uh, so you have been, all right. So we talked to you a couple of times for a couple of reasons, right? So you're just a strong advocate for teachers kind of in the classroom and, you know, the policies that were being, you know, pushed forward to keep teachers from teaching history accurately. You were a, 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 a vocal, uh, advocate to get, you know, the, uh, the GOP supermajority in Frankfurt out of the classroom. Um, you know, and then, you know, you've gone on to continue to talk about how important, you know, and challenging it is your work as an advocate, you know, for queer youth uh, and, you know, creating space, safe spaces uh, in, in schools. So, you know, you've we're not Congress. We're not as cool as Joe Biden uh, and all these people you've kind of shared some of those stories with. But we would love to hear from you kind of what's going on right now. It seems like the GOP is kind of ratcheting up the hate and is doing everything in their power to make kids unsafe, uh, both literally and you know, and 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 figuratively. But you know, I think it really is important that you know we hear from your perspective about what you're seeing in the classroom right now. 
Um, thank you. And I don't know that uh, any of those people are any cooler than you all. I'm so happy to be here. Well, actually, and I'm I pretty sure that we're cooler than Congress. I'll be yes, honest. <laughs> uh, of that, I can <laughs> plead the fifth. Uh, <laughs> Low bar. Low bar so, to be cooler um, than Congress. Uh, yes. Um, you know, what I can say is, there, there's a complete lack of any coherent logic or framework other than protect the status quo um, on the part of the Republican Party when it comes to BIPOC and LGBTQ populations. Um, are, are teachers only supposed to teach or are now we supposed to have guns, for example? Um, what, whatever they need to say to position themselves for whatever they're saying in a given week is what they're going to say. And that's the part that's really frustrating because at least if there was consistency, there would be some logic to argue against. But I think approaching this from some logical perspective isn't going to work. As far as LGBTQ concerns, um, especially as we start Pride Month, it's as if they found the most painful wound, um, our children, our children who are in pretty horrific situations. Um, some of the Numbers, this is actually from research that my students did, research that was banned at my high school. 60% um, of students um, in schools in the U.S. feel unsafe um, because they are LGBTQ. 69% are verbally harassed on a daily basis. 95% hear anti-LGBTQ slurs on a daily basis. 53% engage in self-harm. There is a 400% increased likelihood of suicide. Um, among LGBTQ youth compared to their non-LGBTQ peers. And the those numbers came from earlier this spring. The newest numbers are worth 70% of LGBTQ youth in the classroom say that they are consistently hopeless. 53% have attempted to or have seriously considered suicide. Um, when, when we know these facts about a population and then we ban discussions about them. We um, do what Tennessee is doing and literally allow teachers to misgender them when all research shows that that's exactly the sort of behavior that increases the likelihood that they'll commit suicide. Um, when we find ways to allow parents to um, sort of try to force a change of orientation for a trans or LGBTQ student, that alone increases the chances of suicide by 300%. All of these things are now being codified um, at the state level, at the legislative level. And the, there's sort of the, the two prongs to that. There's the legal side, right? So what do you do if you're a teacher in Oklahoma now facing a new bill in which you literally can't say um, anything that might offend parents? What do you do if you're in Louisiana and you literally can't say the word gay? You now have to force not only yourself back into the closet, but you have to force into the closet the existence of entire possibilities, existence that students are already living. So we're forcing them to sit in class and not letting them exist. That's unparalleled pain um, since I've been a teacher. Um, and then the other prong to that is the cultural aspect. And frankly, that's administrators who are not willing to stand up for what is right and who are willing to throw under the bus any educators um, who might stand up for populations or stand up for what is right in the face of a community um, that might have a very minimal amount of voices. I think if we look at what's happening in terms of um, guns, we see the same thing happening where the vast majority of Americans want these common sense rules, but a very small group somehow uses the Republican Party to make themselves seem much bigger. 
the vast majority of Americans want LGBTQ kids to be safe. The vast majority of my hometown in Mount Sterling wants our kids to feel safe and be able to talk about themselves. But just a couple of people in the community um, managed to um, create situations that completely silence everyone. And it's not just, you know, Mount Sterling, what you're seeing firsthand. It's, you know, uh, in Estill County, of course, there was the story mm-hmm. that broke back in April. Uh, I believe his name was Tyler Morgan. who was a music teacher uh, who, you know, had a very innocuous statement on the, you know, the bulletin board just saying mm-hmm. that, you know, kids matter uh, and you're free to be yourself. Uh, you know, that alone, right, uh, opened up a firestorm for him, right? Things that you, absolutely it did. Um, and things that we're seeing across the country are rainbow stickers, rainbow colors, um, literally a book on a shelf about two penguins. Um, we saw Floyd County schools get in. Well, it was the wit and wisdom curriculum in that particular county. But what some people were upset about was a little story about a male seahorse who carried a baby, which is biological. Um, <laughs> but somehow this was construed to be part of the LGBTQ agenda. Um, at a certain point, uh, th- th- this is how I sort of imagine the scenario. When I worked at McDonald's, this was 2000, 2001. Um, a man literally said, I don't want you taking my order. I don't want these two. And he pointed to two guys in the back who read as gay, um, making my food because I don't want AIDS. Those were the words he said to me. At 17, I didn't know how to respond. But my manager said, the issue isn't that you don't want them to serve you. We don't want to serve you, sir. Please leave. I could not imagine in 2022 um, my administration responding like this. Um, I have one single voice uh, in our community saying some pretty horrific things about me. Um, I don't know this person. I don't want to know this person. Um, But making those sort of accusations that because I have an LGBTQ group, I must be a groomer. I must be doing X, Y, and Z. um, Those are pretty dangerous accusations. Um, Tyler Clay Morgan found himself in a very dangerous situation. And in both cases, well, in, in one case, silent administration, um, and in another case, an administration that openly said to parents uh, in an email, I don't know if you've seen that, um, but uh, his superintendent actually said this situation, something along the lines of um, this situation is uncalled for is wrong, something along those lines. I can get you um, a a news story with a screenshot. Um, But when you have parents making or community members making death threats, that's not the sort of signal that you should give, especially with a little sentence that says, feel free to share this, right? Um, To me, that could stoke a fire and a dangerous one at that. So it's, it's a seriously difficult time to be a teacher who advocates for any students um, whose voice is currently being squashed by the Republican Party because um, those teachers aren't going to get support and the way that the attacks are coming are pretty nasty um, and dangerous for the kids. That's that's what this, at the end of the day, yes, teachers have to advocate for teachers, teachers have to stand up for teachers, but the effect of silencing grown adults who are supposed to be protecting you um, is most dangerous for them because they're on the verge of having a life and making decisions about themselves. They're at the most um, vulnerable part of their existence where they're trying to decide, will this world have a place for me? Will there, will there be a time when I get to be? And what they're seeing looking at me is maybe there won't be. 
Um, and do we want that message sent to kids so that Republicans can get more seats? It is. It's just tragic, right? So you know the this the marketing campaign of you know it gets better, right? You know that was absolutely I think valuable and necessary. But I feel like I thought we had gotten better, right? You know mm-hmm. I thought we were at a point where this, these were just old attitudes that were being retired as people you know like the man you encountered in in mcdonald's you know 20 years ago you know age and you know the the new generation and the younger generations are far more open-minded i think to a large degree they are but you know this this effort to just politicize and to you know other uh folks and it's coming from you know, the, the, you know, I hate to rail against Fox News again and again, but I just feel like, you know, this this effort to, you know, push specific curriculum and books as bad books that need to be banned, that need to get attention, whether it's the two, you know, um, you know, um, whether it's the, the father seahorse that carries the baby or, you know, the things that actually happen in nature and are just documented or, you know, growing up queer. And what it's mm-hmm. like to figure out that, you know, you are, you know, you, your gender is, has been misassigned, you know, as, as, a, as a kid. Like, these are, they're, they're really happening, whether there's a book about them or not. You know, the fact that you're giving kids the tools to, to think through, uh, you know, what they're experiencing, that should be encouraged, not banned, right? But this cultural war thing seems to be like, you know, they're, they're looking at, it seems like they want to take it literally, the culture wars, yes. right? And they're just shouting at a, as we just talked about earlier, a society mm-hmm. that is absolutely awash in guns. And there are plenty of people who aren't terribly stable, uh, but they certainly can get a gun. Uh, and they probably don't have a red, you know, there might not be a red flag yet because they're young and impressionable and haven't, you know, set off any alarm bells, really. But yeah, it's just, it's just so tragic. And I, 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 you know, Willie, whatever we can do to, you know, help make things better, I think, you know, we want to, but, you know, you are, you, I think are doing incredibly important work in a community that, you know, it's not that far from Lexington, but feels like it's really far from Lexington. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you said that because when I, um, when I took the job uh, at my uh, Montgomery County High School, uh, I took it because it was close to Lexington at the time. And I don't remember his name. I was uh, young, but there was a gay mayor in Lexington. Yeah. And it was sort of part of my justification. And early on, um, a, an administrator, uh, this was before the school even started, pulled me into a classroom and was like, you're gay? And I was like, yes. And um, the person was like, you will be crucified. No one will protect you. I won't protect you. Um, and... Yeah, so it's funny how just how different uh, different aspect different parts of Kentucky can be, um, even though they're so close. When I think about what we have to do, Kimberly, I like what you said about Democrats taking their vitamins. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the what the Republican Party does really well is it controls the narrative. It thinks about controlling the narrative. I think we are so often, and I'm glad we do. We take the high road. Um, we, we want to be sincere. We want to use real data. We want to meaningfully engage people. Um, when I think about testifying before Congress, um, I had two people asking me questions. Um, one, um, largely conservative, one largely uh, progressive. And there was not a single question about that I remember, um, LGBTQ youth, even though this was the purpose of my 
uh, testimony from the other side. Suddenly, all the questions were about school closures. All the questions were about whether or not teachers were doing a good enough job, whether or not teachers were teaching math and reading at successful levels. Um, there was no meaningful attempt to engage about the suicides that are killing these children. Um, because they don't want to engage in that, because they know that if they try to engage in that, they will lose. And so they control the narrative. Um, when I think about board meetings and the chaos that we've seen in the last two years, it is um, conservative groups who feel free to come into the room and say whatever literal blatant lies that they want to say um, about teachers. And this is happening to teachers, to senators, um, to Congress people kind of across the country, these sort of new accusations that Marjorie Taylor Greene and her ilk um, are leading and they do it and they don't feel guilty about the fact that they are constructing the story actively in front of people. Um, I think the question now becomes how do we as Democrats, whether we're community members who believe in protecting LGBTQ students, how do we stir ourselves up enough to go to these meetings ourselves? Why aren't we demanding action? Why aren't we going and saying to boards, why don't you have the words LGBTQ in your anti-discrimination policy? A lot of places don't. That's a decision that they're actively choosing to make, right? Um, so I think as a general rule, and I'm, I'm happy to see a lot more work um, after what happened in Texas of us really getting moved to do something. Um, and I think fear is often, it's a motivator. It's a motivator that works because it's pressing on, on an immediate sense, right? I think what the Republican Party does is they create imaginary fears. And so people are always stoked up and ready to move. I don't think we're a fear-based um, group. Um, yeah, so I think that's I totally know. right. I yeah. think that's totally right. Fox, know, Fox knows fear sells and fear stokes the you know, the flames. And, you know, Rep you know Republicans have, have mastered the art of keeping their base fearful uh, and engaged, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And we just, you know, that's not how progressives think. That's not how Democrats generally think. Uh, they look to, you know, rational, be rational about it. And that's fear isn't, isn't, fear is never or rarely a rational response to, you know, a problem, right? Especially not large, complex societal problems that have multiple um, factors, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, hey, I want to throw it to my co-host to get some questions in. Uh, I know that we're all just so thrilled to have you with us. Uh, so Nate, who came off the bench largely because uh, you were going to be joining us tonight. Uh, what, have, what have you got, Nate? Oh, uh, bonjour or uh, bonsoir, I guess. I don't know how to. <laughs> bonsoir, uh, bon matin at this point. It's, I think it's almost two in the morning. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll try to keep this quick. So I know you've said that um, even the smallest show of support can make a huge difference in the life of a queer kid. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of folks out here who want to show support, but maybe they're they're older. They don't have kids of their own. You know, uh, they don't have kids in their life per se. You know, so so other than having those folks, you know, vote for political leaders who are going to support equality and diversity. Are there any other things you can you can uh, think of that that lets folks like that um, be supportive to the kids that need it? Um, absolutely. You know, the obviously the first aspect was the, the showing up at the board meetings and the, the sending letters and things like that. But I think in the day to day existence, 
take take my day-to-day existence. I am not even an impressionable kid. I'm a grown man who is confident in who he is as a person. However, I still have those days where I feel totally alone and have to give myself pep talks to just make it through the day, right? Um, when I think about what that looks like for most people, maybe family members I have who think of themselves as perfectly good people who are not anti-gay, but who've never posted support uh, for the gay community, who probably even avoid it. Um, so in, in certain circumstances, it probably is yelling into the void, say, if, if we're not making action. But in this case, I think just posting something on social media in support is plenty of action because what young people need to know is who is on their side, um, who they can go to. They need a feeling that the people around them are not part of this wall that's trying to keep them from life. And if they don't see that visible support, if they don't actively hear someone saying uh, that they support LGBTQ um, people, they're going to work from the assumption that they don't because that's how school has worked. We send all of these kids to school um, and in a lot of schools, they're not allowed to say the word. They have to sort of look for signals from their teachers. Um, is there maybe a rainbow pin somewhere that lets me know you're a safe person? Or are you one of the people voting against me? Are you one of the people thinking I shouldn't exist? And if we think about what it feels like to be a 17-year-old having to sit in a room every single day with someone who doesn't think they should exist, um, we can see all too well why it's important to do those visual uh, shows of support, right? Like rainbow glasses. <laughs> Thank those you. Those glasses. Those glasses um, something. Go ahead, Kimberly. Thank you, Aaron. Hey, Willie, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I like we're in the glasses. fashionable glasses club. I see. We certainly are. So, two things I want to bring up actually with you. Number one, uh, uh, one of our Democratic uh, nominees for county clerk here in Jefferson County, Tina Ward Pugh. And a lot of people don't know this about her, uh, but back in the late 90s, she was an older woman. Now we call them council people, but she came out and admitted that she was a lesbian. And it was horrible for her, absolutely horrible. It was so bad that she would have to have police escort to her car, to her home, so many death threats all the time. And that was in the late 90s. Now in 2013, she was able to marry uh, the love of her life. And, you know, now like nobody, nobody really thinks about, you know, hey, oh, they're gay or they're not gay or whatever the case may be, as far as I can see right here in Jefferson County, but there's going to always be some closed-minded individuals. And some closed-minded individuals are like, are the parents, um, especially with elementary school age children, are the parents pushing them to be a certain gender? Do children actually know when they're five or six years old that they were born a, a, a male, so to speak, quote unquote, but thinking they should be a female. Uh, that's the other part of it. And then the last part of it I like to bring up and believe me, Willie, I understand how it feels to be that person in the room. As Malcolm X said, but hey, he could probably put the LG, LGBTQIA plus. 
he said the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. But I think nowadays it's like all of us are disrespected in some mm -hmm. forms. And my son is gay and I was excited. Uh, I've been a makeup artist all my life. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I've been around the gays all my life in the, you know, fashion industry. So I, you know, the things I was like, Denzel, is that guy over there on the down low? Tell me. Oh no. Uh, what does the LGBTQIA mean? Oh no. You don't have a gay radar. You don't have a gaydar. You're like useless to me, <laughs> you know. But answer those things in whatever order uh, that you would like to make that statement. Um, you know, the first about how, you know, she had this horrific experience in the 90s. When I came to Montgomery County, um, this was 2011, maybe. Um, just the year before, um, if I'm understanding the story correctly, because I wasn't there, um, one of the teachers actually um, ended up having death threats um, because of a book, uh, a character in a book. From what I understand, if not the death threats, what I do know is that it created a lot of controversy, a lot of book banning and a lot of upset emotions. Um, I think this is one of the issues that students deal with in that um, they see what it's, it's rural students, I should say. They see what it's like in urban places. They see what it's like on television for LGBTQ people. And that what geographical diaspora, what it is like to see what life should be like versus what their lives are like, I think is exceptionally hard. And I think as a country, um, we, we are diverging so quickly um, because of politics in the last few years that it's really hard for us to know sort of what does it be like for, for an LGBTQIA plus person right now because we live in such radically different places. Um, and I think for parents, um, I think a lot of what ends up happening is we just don't trust each other as human beings, right? Um, so when someone says, oh, well, these parents must be pushing... Um, some alternative gender, probably the most uh, progressive minded gender um, is a social construct or what is gender people that I, I know uh, some personal friends who live on the West Coast, um, both of whom are trans, um, raise their kid with sort of vaguely traditional, certainly with traditional gendered um, pronouns. And um, since their daughter was a girl, they raised her as a girl. And I said, I thought you all would be a little less traditional. And they were like, you know, life is hard. If she determines something later, um, we could do that. And I think for the most part, too, when we talk about gender journeys, we, we don't see much at all in terms of really young kids. Um, but once kids start talking, um, what I have seen um, is mostly parents just sort of saying we can respect your boundaries on this without making it a big deal. Right. And that tends to allow the child the space to explore. What we end up seeing is that it's often Republicans who are making this a really big deal that turn the circumstances into life or death or that turn the circumstances into good or bad. And that's what really is going to make the child feel like they have to lock into something or feel like they have to defend something. And we all know once you're defending something, you're concretizing that identity. Suddenly it's much more. Um, so if we don't want children to feel like they have to make declarations, then we certainly um, need to just let them be kids. And for me, that just means if the kid says, hey, I feel like a girl, then fine. Do whatever you want to do. Right. Um, we don't have to make um, everything so big and we don't have to work off those sort of negative assumptions. And I know you're asking a general question so that we can talk about it. I don't think you think that. 
I um, see where Annabelle says, isn't a gaydar just extreme stereotyping? I don't know. Uh, I've been a makeup artist ever since I was 11. Drag queens taught me to do makeup. And even to this day that I'm, you know, 24 years of age now, I hear uh, several, almost all the guys I know are always hung around, you know, gay guys. Like they love me. I love them. You know, I'm extra. And they say gaydar. That's where I got the word from. And I just heard it. Matter of fact, last week. I grew up with it. Here, here's, I, I think also all of these things exist within a culture and a space and a time. So for me, uh, a kid growing up in the nineties, I wasn't wearing rainbow glasses or asking people, you know, are you gay or, or uh, you looked for signs, right? You looked for small little things. So for me, that's always what Gaydar has been. It's been understanding that I exist within a framework that I can't exist inside of um, and looking for clues that other people might be doing the same, whether that's glances or whether that's uh, an approach or something like that. So um, it depends on what we mean by Gaydar, right? Uh, but it's certainly a word that gets used a lot. And like, it, it, um, I was talking to a friend of mine and he used to be a national makeup artist for Chanel. And we were just talking like last week and he was like, Kim, you got to watch out for these men out here. You know, <laughs> you got to learn how to have your own gaydar to figure out if these men are on the down. DL means down low. Okay. They don't mm -hmm. want to come out, you know, those type of things. So he just said it to me last week. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, I think at this point it's eight o'clock. We should probably wrap up the show. Um, I want to just, again, say thanks to Willie. Say thanks to Ms. Mullins. So sorry that, you know, things didn't work out in terms of the you know technical challenges we were having. Turns out her son was playing a video game that was a little slow. So we reset the router. <laughs> so that was why we were having some issues. But uh, one thing that she definitely wanted to do is make sure folks knew that Wear Orange in Lexington is June 3rd at 10 a.m. in front of the district courthouse. Uh, Mayor Linda Gordon will proclaim it National Gun Violence Awareness Day. Uh, they're also having a meet and greet uh, at the Idle Hour Park at 2 p.m. on June 18th. So lots, lots of stuff going on on uh, gun violence. I don't know, you know, Willie, let us know if there's anything we can do to support efforts that are underway. I think there needs to be a very strong show of support for teachers that are in your space that are trying to do the work that you're trying to do you know one thing i will say run for something you know if you don't like the direction the school boards are going you should get on the school board uh and that's in montgomery county and all 119 other counties throughout our great commonwealth it is really important that folks who are that silent vast majority that don't want kids bullied, that don't want the tragically high rates of suicide attempts or depression or all the things that are happening with kids. And, you know, I've got a 15 year old and eight year old, and that is just a challenging period for them, right? As they are developing as humans uh, and everything matters so much, right? So as they're struggling with, you know, their journey, uh, it's really important that they get support, not bullied. Uh, and, you know, so I think it's really important that we like we think about not just how can we show support on social media, but like get out there in the real world and put our, you know, our, 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 our you know, our neck on the line to a degree uh, and, you know, show our support in, in real ways. So I don't know. And if, if I can add quickly, just absolutely. email your kids, teachers, if you have kids and say, hey, I support 
um, you on these issues. If ever you need help, if ever you need a voice. Um, teachers are trained to smile because we have to project that everything's okay, but things are not okay. Um, at yeah. the um, CCSSO meeting of all the national teachers of the year, I saw multiple teachers, I'm sorry, the state teachers of the year, multiple teachers crying over these particular issues. Um, these are, the these are teachers of the year. So these mm -hmm. are not, you know, these are not teachers barely holding on. These are teachers at the top of their game who are being recognized for their amazing ability and they're struggling with this stuff, right? So yeah, mm -hmm. whatever you can do to, to clearly signal you've got their back or that you want them to have your kids back, right? You know, like use pronouns in your teacher notes. Like let tell these teachers it's not okay to misgender kids because, you know, some it's not always coming from the administration. There's plenty of like, you know... <laughs> rear guard teachers uh who are like what well i can't just call myself a bear you know just because you you know you want to call yourself a they i can't call myself a bear that is a literal you know quote from one of my teacher my kids teachers in high school to a kid who you know wanted to make sure their pronouns were respected uh so you know like it's just tough. It is tough out there. It's tough for the kids. It's tough for the teachers. We shouldn't make it harder, uh, but it seems like that's where we're kind of the, the direction we're headed right now, unfortunately. So Willie, thanks again. Appreciate you getting up super early or staying up late, whatever it did, whatever you did. We appreciate it. Uh, love the glasses. Wait. And what did Joe Biden call you? Um, uh, Sir Rainbow Glasses. Sir, you've been. <laughs> they, they were organizing us for a picture, and evidently, I was getting too close or too far away from the Utah State Teacher of the Year. Um, so the photographer kept saying, "Sir, rainbow glasses," uh, and then it caught. <laughs> Sir, rainbow glasses to the left. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, and you know, one thing I did want to like point out when when you met the president, is this true? Your school district did not mention this to their like did nothing to support this you know it it is very true i didn't realize that was even wow. odd until i saw what was happening with the other teachers and their school districts but no uh, no one knew no one heard of it unless a oh particular uh, teacher might have shared it with a student or something do you think that's more a sign that they didn't have your back or they hate joe biden that's a really good question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is it would have been a world for my LGBTQ kids to have seen it. For sure. For um, sure. Yeah. But it could have been a little of both. Yeah. All right, Willie. Uh, thanks again. Get back to uh, enjoying France. Stop throwing cake at the Mona Lisa. Uh, and I think we're going to uh, hand it over to to Kimberly, I think, to close us out. We've got a few action items. And do you have time or do we need to go to Nate? Um, it is... Colonel Pam calling me right now. Well, the only the only the... way I let you off the show early is if you ask Colonel Pam to come on the show in the next <laughs> two weeks. We need to talk to Colonel Pam. Yeah, we do. I'm sorry. I totally forgot. And we had a campaign coordination today uh, with the party, the executive committee and the candidates. And I totally forgot to talk to her, but I will talk to her tonight. Love you guys. Everybody do something nice for everybody and I'll see you next week. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, all right, Nate, throwing it to you to do the action. And all the right. Close. Call the action, call the action. You, you guys have already heard about this, but we're just going to repeat. Uh, tomorrow, June 2nd, Thursday, there is a protest, a peaceful protest against Senator Mitch McConnell when 11 a.m. at the Montgomery County Extension Office in Mount Sterling, 
Mitch is uh, supposed to be showing up around 1130. So get there a little early, bring a sign and let Mitch peacefully know that uh, we do not ex accept his uh, reactionary evil ways. Uh, we're sharing the link in, in the show notes and the, and the comments. Um, then the next day, Friday, June 3rd, is Wear Orange Day. Wear orange for gun safety wherever you are. Uh, and, of course, there's going to be a, a rally in, um, in Lexington you just heard about. Then in a week on Saturday, June 11th, here in my home, uh, Frankfurt, there's going to be a rally, the March for Our Lives rally. Uh, noon o'clock, is that a thing? On uh, Saturday, June 11th, we're also sharing the link there. Uh, and lastly, well, almost lastly, I guess, please take our poll. We, we've got just under 200 responses so far to our, uh, you know, uh, who's made the worst actions this year in the legislature. We'd like to hit 500. So can you, yes, you, please take five minutes right now and help us pick the worst actions of this terrible, no good, very bad legislature, the General Assembly. Once we hit 500 responses, ding, 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 then we will go ahead and share that with the media and help remind Kentucky voters that the GOP supermajority is just doing horrible things to our Commonwealth. And, and you get to... Um, to dictate uh, just which, which horrible thing is the worst. So uh, that's bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash capital R-A-N-K dash K-Y-G-A 22. It's in the notes. Um, and lastly, for calls to action, we are not messing around. Kentucky, Progress Kentucky needs you, you, you. We are going to make our state more politically engaged and win more progressive representation. We've got a plan to do it, but we need your support. Please, to make this plan a reality. So join our team. Uh, we're in need of a newspaper editor, newsletter editor, rather, uh, some social media managers, people who can phone back members and potential voters to engage folks in the fight for a more progressive Commonwealth. Join us, join us, join us. You can find us uh, on Facebook, of course, Progress Kentucky, or uh, KY. There's also a website, progressky.org, and you can then find us all over the interwebs. So... We are coming back in seven days. We hope you'll log in and join us. And it's about time for me to let you know that Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State, organized as a 501c4 and affiliated with the Invisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal, what, is to educate organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. This evening, production was by the one and only Annabelle Nagel. Thank you so much for getting the kernels of truth out to the people, Annabelle. Uh, and we also want to let you know about Kimberly Jones's own show, The Jones Report, a weekly live national local news talk and conversation show that occurs every Sunday. I think it's it didn't occur this Sunday, but it's gearing up soon. Uh, Sundays at 7 o'clock, it's uh, hosted by Mike Breuer, Betsy Foster, and, of course, Princess K, Kimberly Cecil Jones. Uh, Jones Report radio program can be found on Facebook at, one word, The Jones Report Radio. The Jones Report Radio. Uh, also, I guess, thank you to me for the theme songs. <laughs> and you can hear more information about my music at natosongs.com. And if you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, do not worry. You can always re-watch shows, and you should, because you'll get smarter every time you watch one. See our source links on Facebook. Or 
audio podcasts. Yes, they're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, uh, we'd be remiss not to mention that uh, the logo and some graphic content were provided by Couch Fire Media. And you can find more information about them at couchfiremedia.com. So until next week, stay safe, call some members of Congress, tell queer people how much you love them, and be good.